Let us be attentive. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers, for you are just in all you have done. Wisdom. The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have time to spend in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And from Miletos he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by so toiling one must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had spoken thus, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. Spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Let us be attentive. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. And now, Father, you glorify me in your own presence 
with the glory which I had with you before the world was made. I have manifested your name to men whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words which you gave me, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you did send me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are mine, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy, fulfilled in themselves. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, writes King David in Psalm 133. The prophet is here envisioning in the spirit the perfect unified community, the eschatological people of God dwelling together in perfect concord and harmony. He is speaking about the church which Christ established here on this earth, the church of which we are all a part, the church which David saw while in the Holy Spirit was the one we read about, the one that we read about in the Acts of the Apostles where it says, in describing the early gatherings of that Christian community. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. All things in common here signifies common wealth, common goods, common property, but most importantly, common morals, common beliefs, common faith, common way of life, and common worship. All things 
in unity. It means perfect agreement and harmony in everything, perfect unity in the bond of peace and love. That is what the church is intended to be and what the prophet David saw when he spoke those beautiful words. Christianity, we could say, is the faith of unity because Christ brought into union once again that which had been divided, most importantly, God and humanity. And more than that, St. Paul tells us in his epistle to the Ephesians that through the most precious blood of Christ on the cross, God the Father has gathered together into one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth. The Feast of the Ascension that we are in the midst of speaks about this union of the earthly and the heavenly in Jesus Christ. We are one, then, brothers and sisters, one with God and one with each other because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Just picture this. Jesus suspended on the cross with his all-embracing arms outstretched. In what other manner does a man die looking as if he is embracing the whole world, asked St. Athanasius the Great. The cross shows us how Jesus brings everything together into unity in him. Unity is so critical that the Apostle Paul was chastising his church in Corinth. The people in that community were taking sides. They would say things like, I like Peter, so I'm with him. Others would say, well, Paul is the best. He's pretty cool, and I'm buds with him, so I don't think that I should be with anyone else, and I don't like you, and if you don't, don't agree with me, too bad. Another would say things like, I like Apollos because he's the best, and I'm right, so you can both take a walk. Angry and bewildered, St. Paul can't believe his ears. He can't believe the disunity in that church that he had founded. He can't believe the reports that he has received about his flock. So he asks a great rhetorical question to which there can be but one answer. He asks, is Christ divided? Was Peter or Paul or Apollos or George or Bob crucified for you? The answer is, of course not. So if Christ is not divided, if he died on behalf of all for the sake of reconciliation and unity, we then are all one in Christ. And there can't possibly be divisions within the Church of Christ. It really is an absurdity. This is why on this day we commemorate the first ecumenical council, the 318 God-bearing fathers who gathered together in unity 
to keep the church unified against heresies and false teachings. The whole goal is the salvation of the soul and also to keep the church one. St. Ignatius of Antioch, a great father, an apostolic father, ordained even by St. John the Evangelist, he was on his way to be martyred in Rome around the year 107 AD, and he wrote seven beautiful, beautiful letters, the central message of which was unity. He even called himself, quote, a man devoted to unity, unquote. In one place, he makes it clear that his message of unity is not from himself, not some human teaching, but from the Holy Spirit, who said, do nothing apart from the bishop. Keep your flesh pure as the temple of God. Love, unity, flee from divisions. Be imitators of Jesus Christ as he is of his Father, wrote that great God-bearing Father. The call to unity, to be one, is even what our Lord prayed for all his earthly children before suffering his dread passion and crucifixion, as we heard this morning in his beautiful prayer to his heavenly Father. In what has been called the high priestly prayer of Jesus, the night before his life-giving death, he prayed these words to his heavenly Father. I do not pray for these disciples alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that is us, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Our unity is a witness to the world of our Christian faith. If we even look at our own divine liturgy, the call to unity is repeated so many times and so central to our Christian life and worship that it can't be missed or ignored. We beseech God at the very beginning of the divine liturgy with this petition for peace in the whole world, for the stability of the holy churches of God, and for the union of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Again, just before the small entrance with the gospel, the priest silently prays, Lord, you have given us grace to offer these common prayers with one heart. Again, before confessing the creed, all together as if with a single tongue, we are called to a unity of heart and mind. Let us love one another that with one mind we may confess. Again, shortly after the consecration of the holy gifts, the priest exclaims, and grant that with one voice and with one heart we may glorify and praise your most honored and majestic name. And then just before Holy Communion, the priest prays together with the people, having prayed for the unity of the faith and for the communion of the Holy Spirit, let us commit ourselves and one another and our whole life to Christ our God. Of course, and most certainly, Holy Communion is the sacrament of unity, 
as the word communion implies, for it unites us to God and with one another. St. Peter the Great is clear, and this is spoken in his divine liturgy. And unite us all to one another who become partakers of the one bread and of the one cup in the communion of the one Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Paul said to his Corinthian parishioners. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Even at our baptism, we were united as one in Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, writes St. Paul in Galatians. Divisions, all of them, are torn down. Unity is built up in the body of Christ. When I was thinking upon these things about today's great feast of the First Ecumenical Council and the beautiful words of our Lord's Prayer in the Gospel, I was reminded of this beautiful and very one-of-a-kind, honestly, unique icon I saw when I was on Mount Athos many years ago. The title of this icon was, was telling already. It said, En eni pnevmati, in one spirit. Now in the icon, it was a reflection of the unified life of that particular monastic community. In one corner of the icon, a monk is out working in the field. In another part of the icon, a monk is nursing a brother back to health. In another scene, there are some of the fathers cooking in the kitchen. And in yet another part of the icon, there is a monk off in a cave by himself, deep in prayer. And yet, at the very center of the icon, at its very heart, is the church and the celebration of the divine liturgy, unifying and bringing together all of these different scenes into one. For all the different services and talents in that community, they are one. They are one in the spirit, and we are one in the spirit. May this icon be a blessed representation of our very own parish, our very own community and family here at St. Mary's as we fulfill Christ's call to be one. Unity is key, brothers and sisters, for it shows us to be genuine disciples of Christ. As he said when praying to his Father, unity reflects the very divine life of God himself, which is perfect communion and love between three persons. And practically speaking, do you remember that old saying, a house divided against itself will not stand? Do you remember who said it? It was none other than the incarnate wisdom of God himself, our Lord and Savior. Let us always strive for unity then. Let us always seek to be one in the Lord, one in thought, one in will, one in action. 
While a house divided will not stand, as Christ said, a house united will not only stand, but it will grow, prosper, and thrive unto the glory of God and his eternal kingdom. While he was in prison and in chains, St. Paul wrote to his spiritual children in Ephesus, exhorting them continually to unity. Let us listen to his beautiful words. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of which you were called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. To God be the glory now and ever, to the ages of ages. Amen. Please rise.